Hayden Puke, a podcast where three women with names discuss movies that are about something other than a man. Hayden Puke is hosted by Amy Green, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. It's also a spoiler-filled free-for-all. You've been warned. On today's episode of Hayden Puke, we are talking about Colin Higgins' 1980 comedy, 9 to 5, starring Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, and Dolly Parton. 9 to 5 tells the story of three female employees of a sexist, egotistical, lying, hypocritical bigot, this is from IMDb by the way, who find a way to turn the tables on him. Put up with all your pinching and staring and chasing me around the desk because I need this job, but this is the last straw. Something, somewhere, sometime is going to snap in it. God help Mr. Park, because I won't be responsible for my actions. Suffice to say that it is a jungle out there, but if we all work together, we can cut the balls off the competition. Fire the bitch! To help us talk about this movie, we're joined by the much-mentioned paid and puket, Laura Lawrence! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Laura! Hi, guys. Laura gets name-dropped constantly. We feel very lucky to know this woman. You want to say a little something about yourself? Sure. My name is Laura Lawrence, and this is definitely my natural speaking voice. <laughs> Uh, I like you guys and my family and snacks. What are your favorite snacks, sweet or salty? I am a pan snack enthusiast. Mm. I would ideally go mouth, bite, 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 one or the other. (laughs) Just back and forth into forever. Forever with the same snacks. (laughs) Cool. Well, who here has seen this movie before? Oh, I saw it a bunch. I feel like it was on TV a lot when I was a kid, and I watched it a lot. Did you watch it start <laughs> to finish, or would you come in at, like, certain certain points? I think I would usually watch the whole thing. We just rewatched it the other day. The whole thing felt familiar. I remember watching it from the beginning to the end every time. I remember when TV would have, like, a guide? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I intentionally watched this movie a lot. The opening is kind of funny to me. I mean, all I remembered was that banger of a song. And then it's played over all of these women bumbling around New York City on their way to work. Oh, God. I love that. There are these moments in that opener where I was just like, oh, my God. I totally remember that. Like, my favorite part is where the woman is, like, looking at her watch and she spills her (laughs) coffee on her feet. And it's like, oh, my God. I love that. There were so many moments like that where Roz is running to catch Mr. Hart and she misses him before the elevator and she makes this like, hmm. Mr. Hart! Oh, you just missed him. Hmm. I remember loving that part when I was a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Roz the rat. I don't care for Roz at all. He's such a narc. What's in it for Roz? Yeah, what's her deal? Yeah. She's like lawful evil is what her deal is, I think. The foot soldier for the patriarchy. (laughs) It doesn't even seem like she's gunning for a promotion or anything. She just kind of sucks. She just hates She just hates other women and wants them to suffer. I'm sure that there's a lot of baggage there with Roz. Like she kind of maybe needs her own movie. She's like Phyllis Schlafly of the workplace. She makes me so mad. She's anti-union. Oh, uh, Violet, I uh, hadn't heard from you. Did you get my memo? I did, Roz. I tore right through it. Good. You know, we must step clamp down hard on any signs of unionization. Ugh, I do not like this, Roz. Shut up. Hot probs is on. Oh, shit, yeah. 
taking notes, like, who does that? It's also so weird that she brought a pen, but not paper in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. you know, paper. I mean, you were obviously planning to write something because you brought your pen. If you're going to be a dedicated narc, you should have a little notepad with you at all times. Seems like a rookie move for such a professional narc. <laughs> right. uh, how about everyone else? Did everyone watch it when they were kids as well? I had never seen it before. <gasps> Whoa. This. So this was my first, well, first two times <laughs> I saw the movie. You watched it twice? Yes, to study. Wow. Well, you guys, I gotta take this very seriously. Did you watch it like through your recruiter lens? Walk us through it. So the first time I was watching it through a little bit my recruiter lens because I was so horrified by so many of the things. <laughs> like they're just so <laughs> mean in that office. Even just the friends are mean to each other. And that's what I just really was surprised by, I guess, because I thought that it would be a little lighter than that. But they were really kind of shitty to each other. Yeah, definitely. That seemed like a very unpleasant place to work. It definitely tickled icky work vibes from places. Like, I worked in a big four accounting firm once that was not icky like that. Like, it wasn't sexist people, but it was kind of backstabby, nasty people. It tickled a lot of that for me. Was it ever revealed what that company does? Or is it like it's on purpose vague? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they move product in <laughs> From warehouse to warehouse. I'm thinking of what Consolidated does now. How about you, Laura? Do you, do you have a sense what Consolidated does? I felt like they just moved papers around and <laughs> made sure that there were plenty of phones ringing. That's all that I could really ascertain. Violet Newstead, please hold. Hi, this is Violet. Mel? No, no, that's 210 net 30, delivered in nine days. That's 2% of 440550 is 8811. Oh, my pleasure, Mel. Violet Newstead, please hold. Hi, this is Violet. Oh, Charlotte, I've got it right here. I'm just waiting for your call. That route is 32 via Dixie Express. Don't worry, I've got it under control. Okay, bye-bye. All 80s movies to me are all very hazy what the career is. I don't understand some of the financial 80s career movies, what they're all about, period. That's, That's a good point. It's just kind of like a general business. It's like they're all written by children. Like, this is what grown-ups do for work. They go to an office and they do business. Vincent Adultman, how are things at the old 9 to 5? Good. I went to the stock market today. I did a business. I keep telling him he works too hard. Come on, Vincent. Let's get away from the rat race. I'm usually bad with that anyway, like in real life. Actually, someone recently asked me what Brugas did and I was like maybe project manager yeah I mean I'm not even 100% sure but I know I know a little bit I mean I think he doesn't enjoy talking about the process that much so I appreciate that about him yeah so obviously one of the hot problems is what the fuck does consolidated do I guess it doesn't really matter that much but it is just kind of funny that it's like so vague but also i was really laughing a lot at the copy machine scene being a person who made a lot of copies in an office i'm pretty sure that's just not a way that a copy machine can malfunction Those 
Xerox copy machines were back in the day. <laughs> right, it's like a whole room. Yeah. Triggered a fun memory for me when I was a kid once in a while, my dad would bring me and my brother into work and there was a copy room at his office and my brother and I would like Xerox our faces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. There was some movie where a woman photocopies her butt a bunch of times. Oh, I think it's Scrooged. Is it Scrooged? From the 80s, where a woman I is like. It's definitely in She Devil. And maybe Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dad? Is there something like that? I don't know. I have seen that movie. I love that movie. <laughs> I don't remember it that well. Is that pod worthy? I don't know. I mean, I can see it having a lot of probs. I saw it a lot when I was a kid. <laughs> I feel like it holds up to rewatching. It's very quotable. It's got an early <laughs> David Duchovny. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> My hottest prob, I think, was always to do with Dora Lee. Why would they ever believe that she was having an affair with Hart? And they're, like, so shitty to her just because, like, he acts like he's fucking her. Why doesn't he ask Dora Lee? She does everything else for him. She's too tired. They've been in conference together all morning. What did Margaret mean about Dora Lee? Well, rumor has it that uh, she is banging the boss. She and Mr. Hart? I think that's awful. And then when they realize it, like, they don't even really apologize. Which, I mean, it's like, maybe they just, she doesn't literally apologize. And they're like, oh, I can't believe Hart said that. I feel like maybe throw in a sorry that we didn't really mean to you all this time. Right. That was my hottest prob, was how it kind of did her dirty a little bit. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, even in a, like, a feminist movie in the 80s, they're still a little slut-shamey. She's not, like, trying to move up the corporate ladder in some way. Exactly. But it didn't seem like there would be any reason that she, not only was she a total hot, hot, hot mama, and he was not. I did hate that, too, Amy. I've definitely worked in places where gossip is all over the office and it's so toxic to be around. That was definitely believable. Those environments can be so bad. To be a little fair, there is the thing how he asks Violet to buy a scarf for his wife and she gets that super butt ugly weird piece of cloth that doesn't even go away on some neck. And then Doralee is wearing it later. I will be a little bit fair and say there's... I guess, evidence of some kind. Well, I'll be damned. Just look and see who got paid off for services rendered. That's, that's the scarf you bought. Oh, who cares? I suppose she deserves it. But they know him so well, Violet does. So she should know that even if there is a sexual relationship there, that it's definitely not an equal relationship and that there's some fucked up dynamic there, and she shouldn't take it out on Dora Lee. Right. Dora Lee is so nice. So She's nice. so nice, yeah. Hope everybody's been treating you real friendly and showing you around. Everybody's been very nice, thank you. Good. Listen, if there's anything I can do, just give me a holler, because I know what it's like to be the new girl in town. It does make me laugh so hard when she just, like, drapes the scarf around her neck, like, I put it on. How are you supposed to wear that thing? <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> like a neckerchief. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't the best time for fashion, but even in the context of that movie, it's ugly. I don't think anyone's wearing something as hideous as that. God, I loved all the clothes in this movie so much, whether it was Dorley's sequin green sweater or even just that montage with all the women losing their papers. (laughs) (laughs) I just kept thinking... And I don't know, maybe this is just because I've been looking at vintage clothing on Instagram for so long that I was just like, that would sell so fast. That would sell so fast. Oh, my God. People would die to wear that even today. Yeah. Especially as those clothes are super trendy again. Definitely. I feel like we're really getting into an 80s fashion again. But hopefully we'll never get back to certain things like shoulder pads. Yeah. I don't think we ever need those again. I was excited to see the shoulder rest for her phone. I had totally forgotten that those existed. We had those 
the chubby ones who would attach to your landline, but I loved just seeing that was, for whatever reason, really tickled my spirit. I mean, it says so much. Like, we used to spend hours on the phone, like, talking on the phone, so we'd need something to protect our neck. Crazy. Doesn't even seem possible. I know. A pop prop I have is, what the fuck is a locker for your hat? Violet (laughs) says it, like, a million times. We'll have to get you a locker for your hat. What? Is that her? Yes. We're going to need a special locker for the hat. Now, this is your typewriter, dictaphone, and we're going to get your locker for that hat. I mean, I think they do all just have lockers. It's that specifically for her hat. <laughs> and they wouldn't let them put the purse on their desk. That was one of the forbidden Roz things. So you would have to have some kind of accessory placement place. Yeah, but yeah. like Violet is so stressed out about where are we going to put that hat? It's just she's really obsessed with being it. Being shitty. Yeah. <laughs> being shitty. My other hot prop was with Violet how when she was wearing the doctor coat, talking to that woman, and then she's like, You're a doctor. I didn't see your badge. Sorry. I'm a doctor. So why the hell am I talking to you? Piss off. Power corrupts instantly, Violet. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Oh my God. She's like, oh, am I better than you? Okay, cool. Or you think you perceive me as better than you. She could have avoided that problem if only she'd pulled back the sheet for one second. For one second! (laughs) Just make sure if you're stealing a body that it's the right body. Yeah. I I think that's good advice for any age. That's a timeless message of this movie. (laughs) The box of Skinny and Sweet does look like that rat poison box, but there is a a big picture of a rat on that box, and... (laughs) in the same aisle as coffee i mean it's a silly movie it's like a farce it has like a lot of important messages the fact that it was so silly it's a comedy it definitely is a heightened reality but i was like uh i don't know violet is very stressed out and she does say to her co-worker i'm just gonna snap one day would she really buy the rat i don't know i thought she bought both things intentionally oh she bought rat poison on purpose because she had rats at home. So I felt like the, the setup was that the, both boxes were in the grocery bag. Oh. And she just took the wrong one out. And she might have noticed when she bought them that the boxes looked the same. I mean, that just seems like something a person might notice. Also, I wonder if inside the box is it really the same? Like, wouldn't Skinny and Sweet be in little packets? I've never bought rat poison. I don't know. It comes in a yeah. tiny packet. Rat poison does? No, I was being ludicrous. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can't imagine it would have, like, one of those nice little pull-out spouts that are... <laughs> it's a rat poison, let me just... Let me make rat some coffee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, also, the whole white privilege thing with the cops. Oh my god, that whole scene is... Oh, yeah. Very painful in this modern-timey lens. Doctor privilege, apparently. White yeah. doctor privilege, yes, exactly. We're on an emergency. Are you a doctor? I'm sorry, doctor. I didn't see your badge. What's the trouble? The trouble is, I'm taking this woman to the hospital and she's very sick. Can we go now, officer? I'm not feeling very well. My God, did you hear that? She's not feeling very well? I've got a a dying woman on my hands and you want to look for a short in the trunk? I'm sorry, doctor. If we don't make it to the hospital in time, I'm holding you responsible. Well, don't worry, doctor. I'll give you an escort. Just hang on, ladies, and follow me. Forget it, Mac. We can't wait. Wait a doctor code, like, just see what happens. <laughs> it seemed like doctors were kind of gods or something. Like, I don't know. They got a lot of clout and respect, it seemed like. I feel like it's still a thing not to that extent, though. We just try not to revere people in general too much now, I think, maybe. But then also how Dorley's like, I've got my gun when the cops pull him over. It, it's a police woman. He wants us to pull over. We're going to do a make or break for it? I don't know, but I've got my gun. As if that's some kind of helpful solution in this case. <laughs> there was so much gun in this movie. <laughs> I was surprised. Yeah, and it got fired a lot, too. Not just the right. presence of the gun, but the just rampant firing of it. Yeah, is she going to shoot the cop? Like, <laughs> <laughs> 
She goes there so fast. I mean, maybe it's like a southern mentality. <laughs> you can't solve every problem with a gun, Dorley. Uh, let's see. Any other hot probs? Well, she did say Italian. I know the cutest little Italian restaurant. Just a hop, skip, and jump from here. Golly. <laughs> 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 how she says it she just says things funny because of her accent <laughs> is that like a real slur no no okay i mean they're maybe calling it a daco boat wasn't awesome what are you out of your mind you think i'm gonna spend four weeks of my life drifting around on that daco boat oh god i think the thing i took from that was that it was a month-long cruise i'm like that's a long fucking time <laughs> That's right? too long. Have you heard of that cruise around the world that goes around constantly? No. I think the boat is called The World, and, like, Judge Judy has a room on it, so it's very fancy rich folks. And it just is constantly going around the world. Wow. And you just, like, pick it up. I don't know what the COVID plan is, but they pick it up in port, and then they ride on it for however long they want, and then they go back to New York and live in their apartment for however long they want. And then they're like, oh, you guys are in Thailand? I'll meet you there. Oh, my God. my friends got to go on it because she went... (laughs) This isn't telling someone's business, right? This is fine. Uh, She went to the Big Loser (laughs) Ranch and met someone who had a room on it and said she wasn't going to be using it and my friend could go on this. So she went on it for like a month and a half. Oh, my God. Isn't that cool? That sounds so fun. Sorry for the digression. <laughs> no, no, that's we do that all the time. That's giving me some major Snowpiercer vibes, though. Have you guys seen Snowpiercer? <laughs> no, but that just came up this week because of all the snow. <laughs> we were just talking about how we need to see that one. Yeah, it's super good. Anyway, yeah, rich people going around the world forever. Hart's wife is so willing to look over anything. <laughs> you know, like, she does not question anything about... Her husband, like, she goes in just after he's trying to sexually assault Dolly Parton. <laughs> like, oh, what are you doing? And then, like, on the floor, she's like, hey. Frank, what are you doing on the floor? Nothing. I trip. Take my knee on the damn coffee table. Oh, 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 oh. Did you hurt yourself? No. And then she's like, he sent me to this hotel. He's trying a new exercise regimen. Did you just say you've come back? Yeah, three days ago. Frank sent me to a hotel for another week. He's trying out some kind of a new exercise program at the house. Oh my goodness. You should see what he's done to our bedroom. <laughs> Hello? She's in great amounts of denial, but she'd have to be very willing to overlook a lot of stuff to get into that marriage in the first place. I think that's a decision that she made about, like, a certain lifestyle that she wanted. No, but she was, like, the rich one, I thought. Oh, really? I thought that was a thing they used to... Yeah, that she kept him in the style that he wanted to be, or whatever. Well, I don't think Hart's gonna leave his wife. She's been too good a meal ticket all these years. Besides, she's bananas. She adores him, if you can imagine. Yeah, like, he married into money. That, like, that's why he was oh. married, he, even though he was at heart of philanderer. I, I don't know, see. It's like super dong heart or something. I don't know what's going on. Next call. In that documentary, women that were part of the movement, Jane Fonda went to go visit them, and their head office was in Cleveland, and in one of the meetings they had with the members, Jane Fonda asked, have you ever had a fantasy about killing your boss? Some of those fantasies made it into the movie. There was one that didn't make it into the movie, and it was like a woman ground her boss up with coffee and then like made coffee out of them. Oh, God. That was something that was shared. It's a really interesting documentary. That sounds like so much work. I know. <laughs> You'd really have to hate the guy. This was a pre-cell phone time, so there was more time to do projects. Yeah. <laughs> you only watch TV when there was something good on. Couldn't watch TV 24 hours a day. That's true. Didn't have all this prestige television to keep up with. TV used to end. Or like, if you stayed up late, there would be a thing where it's like, TV's over, and it would play the national anthem. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's fuzz. Then it's the fuzzy poltergeist TV until the morning. They're here. <laughs> what a tie. I know. That's weird to think of now, especially because we do have such round-the-clock everything, not only 
enough for round the clock, but also enough for round the clock on multiple universes because there's just so much to watch. Yeah, like we'll never we'll never finish it all. I don't think it's possible. Amy is the one that gave that feeling to me that it's okay to not watch everything. You can even know that something is good and not watch it. And that has given me great peace. Oh, good. I'm so glad. That's my hashtag no FOMO. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love that. That is good. It's still hard to get over, but it is nice to know that that's an option. I've already started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of Mopey Dick, if you know what I mean. The weed thing that totally went over my head as a kid. I didn't know. <laughs> I thought they were just like smoking cigarettes or something and telling jokes. Barbecue. <laughs> yeah. I think they're drinking too, right? Yeah. They're just drinking and smoking like grown-ups do. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what an old-fashioned lady pop party was when I was a kid. We could have ourselves an old-fashioned ladies pop party. And now it's my everyday life. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely am tempted to make a t-shirt. Old-fashioned ladies pop party. I thought for sure, speaking of t-shirts, that you're a sexist, egotistical, lying, hypocritical bigot would for sure be a t-shirt if that movie was made today. Well, I'm not such a bad guy. You're a sexist, egotistical, lying, hypocritical bigot. Oh my god. Yeah. If it's not already a shirt. <laughs> yeah. This movie would be pretty meme-worthy if it came out today. I'm surprised sure. they haven't remade it. Yeah, that is surprising. It's not like this movie would... couldn't use a little updating. <laughs> right, it would just be tech company with some, like, hazy app. I wonder what all the murder fantasies would be if they'd be updated. That's fun to think wonder... about. It'd probably involve, like, online humiliation somehow. Oh, good call. Cancel culture. We're gonna cancel that motherfucker. <laughs> We're gonna cancel that fart. Yes. I do like that line. That's Franklin Hart Jr. But to me, he'll always be a fart. Yes! <laughs> it's lowbrow, but I enjoy it. <laughs> She's amazing, like, with her phone work that she does, with all the lines. Violet Newstead, please hold. Violet Newstead, please hold. Hi, this is Violet. Mel? No, no, that's 210 net 30, delivered in nine days. That's 2% of 44550 is 8811. Oh, my pleasure, Mel. Violet Newstead, please hold. Hi, this is Violet. Oh, Charlotte, I've got it right here. I'm just waiting for your call. That route is 32 via Dixie Express. Don't worry, I've got it under control. Okay, bye-bye. I've done reception before. I could never work as quickly as that. It's impressive. And then she goes home. She's like a single mom. She repairs the garage door. And she's very competent and capable. And I'm sure like her job is full of these rote tasks that are very dull and secretaries do a lot of shit and yeah they don't get the respect i like that they set up that she can fix mechanical things like the contraption i'm sure that violet set that up uh, right it's very much like a garage door contraption yeah. <laughs> with the harness she knows how to install one it's like let's install one in her <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Although the phone thing reminded me of one hot prop that I forgot to mention, which is that she says please hold to about 10 people, and then she takes two calls, and then she just hangs up the phone and, like, <laughs> looks satisfied. Like, what about all those people on hold? Her uh, attention to customer service is beautiful, Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> do they still have phones like that? I wonder what they do. They have those, like, voiceover IP phones with, like, the different lines. I think that's still a thing. I haven't been My to a place with a receptionist those. in a million years, so I don't know what it's like now out there. Oh, I really like it. I and mean, there's just a, such a random throwaway line, but when all the ladies are having lunch in the cafeteria and they go to the salad bar, which is a little horrifying in these COVID times to see an open salad bar like that. But then they're all sitting down and like right before they cut away, one of the women says, this salad is good. Mmm. Salad's good. Women love salads. That reminds me of that, I don't know if it counts as a meme or if it was a blog or whatever, but the women laughing eating salad that went around a couple <laughs> yes. of years ago. <laughs> I remember that. I thought it was really interesting when Mr. Hart was talking about men do better in the workplace because they play sports. You girls, of course, never got a chance to play football or baseball. I've always felt like that's unfortunate because I think it's, it's probably the best place to learn what teamwork is all about. I remember 
Coach Fry used to tell us, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. I thought that was really interesting that that was his mindset. I feel like men tell themselves that they are just better or just do better, you know, and it was interesting to hear that he had some reasoning. I feel like a lot of times men are just like, men just naturally rise to the top. Just how he had sort of told himself, well, this is just how it is. Like, it's not bad to promote men over women because men just are going to do better. That he had sort of rationalized that. I mean, he's not wrong that men use sports in the workplace because basically they're conditioned as children to work only with other boys as a team. They learn teamwork as like, I know how to work with other boys. But then when they get into the world with women, they're like, you must not be any good at this because I don't know how to deal with you. Right. I don't know how to talk to you. Or like if a woman is offended by something, well, it's locker room talk. Right. Holy fucking shit. Yes. Like that line when Hart says, you're not here for the handoff. Mr. Hart, we've discussed this before. I don't think it's my place to shop. Nyla, goddammit, you know, I've been standing up here for five minutes talking about teamwork, and the first thing I know, you're not there for the handoff. Triggered me back to my admin days. Sports metaphors everywhere. And I'm pretty sure my boss said that exact thing all the time. Anytime I was like, this isn't in my job description. I have like five million things in my job description. Can I not do this one thing? And it's like, nope, this is a team effort. You're on a team, and that means that I give you work and you don't question it. And that's what being a team is. What? And you just don't get it because you're not a team player. Or you get like a, it's something that they think is a compliment, but it's not exactly. I had a boss where I would be introduced on client calls as like, she keeps me honest. Or it's just like, great, I, yeah, I'm really good at, at keeping keeping things going, just like little things in the office, stuff in the kitchen, like making the new pot of coffee. I've often been the only one that will start a new pot. And if the coffee machine's broken, people freak out. I've taken the coffee machine apart and like reprogrammed it. Whoa. (laughs) All these like hidden things that nobody cares about, but they're mad if it's not working. They don't care unless it's affecting them. And then it's your job and you need to be a team player. They talk about the team mom. I read articles about trying not to be the team mom at work because women naturally kind of take on that, make sure the coffee machine is filled straighten up, order the cupcakes for so-and-so's birthday, even if they're not in that type of a role. And that is something I now consciously try to avoid because otherwise I do want to take care of everyone in a maternal way. You don't get any career mobility out of it. No. There's no recognition. No, and in fact, it's often derision. Yeah. She'll take care of it, so I... Then you get pigeonholed in that role, and then that's all they think of you as. Like, oh, you're the caretaker. You're the office caretaker. The catch-all. You do all the things that no one else wants to do. And we don't thank you for it. There is an episode in The Office. I know, like, The Office is full of props looking back on it, but there was this part with BJ Novak never wanting to clean anything in the office kitchen, and Pam is obviously upset about it. And his thing is, I'm just not good at that stuff. You're so much better at that. Such a douche husband move. Right, exactly. That's the thing. Even calling it being the mom of an office is saying, like, you know, dads don't have to do stuff. It's really liberating when you realize, well, if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. And to just be able to be like, then I guess it's not going to get done. Logan's school is going to go back five days a week after midwinter break. And Logan was like, I don't know how dad's going to do that with work, like how he's going to manage getting me to and from school. And I'm like, he will have to figure out how to make that happen because that's his job as a now single dad. Whereas if he was not a single dad, that he would not have to figure that out. Even when everybody's working. Why is it just one person's job to make sure that things get taken care of? things get done right everybody's drinking the coffee exactly right i'm getting fired up you guys (laughs) good (laughs) that's what we want i really like violet's delivery on some lines like when she says thanks roz i know just where to stick it here violet you can put this up on a bulletin thanks roz i know just where to stick it good (laughs) (laughs) when she's on the phone with one of her kids and she goes no i don't want to talk to the dog (laughs) violet news oh come on kids no come on no fighting Believe me, there is more than one peanut butter and banana sandwich in the world. What did I say this morning? Okay. 
Love you too. No, I don't want to talk to the dog. Bye-bye. Dora Lee has a couple awesome lines. I assume we all wrote down, I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen. Look, I got a gun out there in my purse. And up to now, I've been forgiven and forgetting because of the way I was brought up. But I'll tell you one thing. If you ever say another word about me or make another indecent proposal, I'm going to get that gun of mine. And I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Don't think I can't do it. Also, I really like when they're in the hospital and there's that cop who seems like he's from a totally different movie. <laughs> yeah. That bomb is our only witness. We have all ready to testify. Now this. I really want to think that it's like how in Out of Sight, Michael Keaton has a tiny role, but it's because he has a bigger role in Jackie Brown at yeah. the same time. I really want to feel like this guy was doing a whole different movie. Definitely. Yeah, why they never found Jimmy Hoffa. And <laughs> yeah, the guy they brought in on the gurney. How is he? Yeah, how is he, Doc? Yeah, he's dead. Oh, you fellas can come into my office. I'm fairly certain it was some kind of poison. Oh, totally, it's like a crime thriller happening. Right, he's in this old-fashioned, like, gangster movie. <laughs> he also said a line I wrote down. He's describing the perp or whatever, and he goes, it's the guy they brought in on the gurney. The guy on the gurney? <laughs> I mean, you know his name? Right? Yeah. <laughs> I love how the doctor does not sugarcoat it at all. He's like, ah, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> that scene was gold. <laughs> I really liked that the cop was smoking cigarettes in the hallway of the hospital. Yeah, that's always uh, jarring in movies like this, when <laughs> dated movies, where you're like, you really could smoke anywhere. Literally anywhere you fucking anywhere. felt like it. That's insane to me. Like in someone else's car, even if they weren't a smoker. Yeah, after you light up, you're like, oh, I hope you don't mind. Because cars had ashtrays. You're like, I'll just use your ashtray that's right here in the car, built in. I thought about that. And like the push button lighter. I do really wish they still had those just because I was conditioned as a young girl to know that that was a fail safe for me if I got kidnapped or something. Like you can always burn somebody with the car cigarette lighter, but you can't do that anymore. My car has that. Ooh. So now I'm like kind of pumped about my cigarette lighter. Yeah, you should be. That's great. I haven't needed it for a cigarette lighter in years, but... <laughs> But self-defense. You know, I have a weapon. Yes, exactly. If a cop pulls you over. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have my gun on me. Yeah. Which I would just tell them about because I'm a white lady. Or you, with you a body in the trunk. Doctor coat on. Yeah. Oh, good. I forgot. I'm going to have to get one of those. I do really love Dorley's little... Mark's brother's moment when she's holding the cigar. Look at that. I have told him a hundred times this can be very dangerous. I'm sure he'll be back, Roz. You want to just wait around here for him? No, no, thank you. But please tell him it's very important I talk to him sometime today. I will certainly tell him, Roz. Yeah, that was so great. Dorley <laughs> rules. She's, I mean, Dolly Parton is just such an angel on earth. She is. She really is. I personally really enjoyed, what's Jane Fonda's character? Forget. Judy. When she first meets Dora Lee and Dora Lee's tits are like out so far <laughs> and she looks at her own. <laughs> like, looks questioningly. Oh, <laughs> that's great. Oh yeah, and then Judy has one of my favorite lines in the whole movie where she says, I'm into everything. So, that's what you're into now. Bondage. What's that? Bondage, S&M, sex games. That's right. All of it. I'm into everything. Now get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was that in the same scene as the doing M&Ms? And if I want to have, have an affair or, or play, play sex games or do M&Ms, you can't stop me. One of my favorite lines is when they're in the hospital and Violet's just freaking out. She's like, I'm a murderer. And they go, no, you're not. I'm a murderess. Wait, you want someone to see it? Who cares? I'm finished. I'm a murderer. No, you're not. I'm a murderess. <laughs> <laughs> I like Dorley's line, I've been chased by swifter men than you and I ain't been caught yet. Oh, don't you worry about it, Mr. Hart. I've been chased by swifter men than you and I ain't been caught yet. I just thought that was a very cute little shade to throw. Right. Her sweet southern shade, the things she can say to her boss that no one else could say. Right. And then he tells her, you mean so much more to me than just a dumb secretary. You know, you mean so much more to me than just a dumb secretary. So I bought this for you. I've 
picked it out myself. Uh, thanks. thanks, buddy. <laughs> you're still just a secretary, but you're not a dumb secretary. I feel like he's even saying she's a dumb secretary, but she's just also other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's also a pair of tits. Right. That's definitely what he's saying. And of course, I love the line from the head of the company or whatever who says, I ain't the kind of boy who takes no for an answer. Two or three years down there and you'll never want to come back. Two or th- three years? Uh, you'll love it down there. Healthy climate. <laughs> Mr. Tinsworth. All right. Let me tell you one thing. I ain't the kind of boy who takes no for an answer. That's just a very satisfying moment. I love Doralee's fantasy where the tables are turned. Just hold it right there. Something wrong? No, no, nothing's wrong. I just want to check your bod. Turn around for a second. Oh. Well, you got a nice ass frame. But you know you ought to get your pants cut a little tighter. You need to bring them up just a little in the crotch. I mean, you got a nice package. You might as well show it off. Oh, this is That scene is so cute, too. Like, she's sexually harassing him, but it's, like, so oh, adorable. She's like, she's like, I you should... get a look at your bod. <laughs> yeah. You should wear your pants tighter. He also plays that scene so well. You know, he does seem like so uncomfortable. Your hair is so sexy. Why don't we go over on the couch and I'll go lock the door. Mrs. Rose. Oh, let's be friendly, Frank. I mean, you've got to be a little more cooperative if you want to keep this job. Mrs. Rose. I told you I'm not the kind of boy. I'll get off this one little kiss. No. No. Who's going to know? No. No. I won't. I won't get that now. No, please. Frank, you get back here. Whereas he probably loves it, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's that's Dabney Coleman coming through, being being a consummate professional. What else does a suicide need, huh? Now, if you'll excuse me. Good old Dabney Coleman. All little girls have a crush on Dabney Coleman, or was it just me? <laughs> Not in this movie, but you know, in general. <laughs> this before our love for Dabney Coleman as children for some reason. <laughs> Kids love Dabney Coleman. It's proven. Proven fact. I know from Yes and what is that other movie? Oh, Cloak and Dagger. That's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what made me fall in love with him. <laughs> Is he in one of the Muppet movies? Maybe, yeah. I think that's how that sounds right. It seems like he would be. That's Murray Plotsky. I gave him my life savings. Murray? I thought his name was Martin. All right, let's go, Murray. You pull your last con, John. Yeah, I don't want any trouble. Get back. Go. Get back. Chicken, That's a threat. Please don't hurt her. Take me. Whatever you say, girl. Get away from that door. Move. I think that's my dab me touch point, and I never dabbled in a crush on him, but I can see it. I don't think I had a crush on him, but I really liked him. Yeah. He had a sitcom called Buffalo Bill that I watched because I loved Dabney Coleman. Yeah, crush isn't really the right word, but yeah, affinity, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) I did have crushes on full-grown men, but it was more the Harrison Ford variety. Alex Trebek was my first crush. Aww. That I remember, I know. That's very sweet. I like that. I really liked Tom Hanks in the uh, Splash when he swam like a mermaid, it was going to be a perfect uh, match, Christina. He's kind of like a nice guy. I don't know. <laughs> Mine was Matt Dillon, because I've just always been true to my type. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Seriously. So cute. You You're know, so older. consistent. You are definitely the most consistent person I know in regard to what you're attracted to. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of incredible to me. <laughs> I love how, like, in the movie, it's, like, the most benevolent kidnapping they're making him all this food and judy's like i brought you magazines and they're being very nice about being kidnappers i think i mean they definitely treat him way better than he deserves because they're good people they're just like can you just stop being shitty the only way we can get you to stop being shitty is to literally remove you from the situation and fix everything it makes sense and i like that too because they couldn't like torture him actually does seem like all the bad things that happens to him while he's being kidnapped are his own fault he had a chance for this to be easy he made it hard yeah i mean shit if someone was like you have to stay in bed and just smoke and watch tv for a couple weeks i'm like okay cool i'll do that i would love to watch days of our lives regularly my mom was so into that. My mom was a general hospital mom. I always thought she had to watch it because she was a nurse. <laughs> all nurses had to watch My mom was an all my children mom. Aww. We were an all my children family. I watched mm-hmm. all my children. 
My mom didn't watch soaps. She liked all the talk shows, though. Oh. She watched, like, from Regis and Kathy knows. Lee to Oprah, basically. <laughs> Not like the seedy ones, but all the interview slice of life, we have a chef today kind of ones. Did she watch the home show? I really had an affinity for the home show. I don't think so. I'm not sure. What's that? Okay. It was like Good Morning America, but it was on in the 80s and 90s. Like, it was an hour-long show, and they would have segments. Like, there would be one about how to buy the right fruit at the store, (laughs) and there would be one about decorating, and then there would be someone who came in and interviewed someone who did some literacy program for kids. I loved the home show. That definitely sounds like something she would have liked. Was it a regional thing? No, it was a national. It was on ABC, I think. I remember the host was named Gary. I would have to Google it. He was from the University of Washington and invented the wave. Oh, like the wave? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Wow. Now it's a little familiar. It's Gary Collins and Sarah Purcell. I feel like I remember her from like That's Incredible or Real People or something like that. Well, and it launched the career of Susan Powder. Oh, maybe my mom did watch it then because she had the Susan Powder book and like the workout video. I saw Susan Powder once in Fremont. Yeah, she lives on Queen Anne, I thought. Somewhere around here. Like recently? You saw her? Yeah, like still. Wow. I hope she's doing all right. (laughs) Yeah. Much love to Susan Powder if you're listening. Susan, call us. Yeah. That would be amazing. You've seen Susan Powder on national talk shows, lecturing to thousands around the country, and in her weekly visits on The Home Show, discussing eating right and staying fit. But it was her own desperate struggle with weight loss and frustration with the diet and fitness industry that led her to discover the truth about taking and keeping weight off. Diets don't work. I've spent 30 years starving not liking the way I looked or felt. At 260 pounds, I learned how to stop the insanity. We're not on the subject now, but we have been like recently culturally on the subject of rewriting the narratives of women who were painted as insane. Stop the Insanity was the name of her book. But I remember that was like a whole thing where everyone was like, oh, this crazy broad. She shaved her head and got skinny and she's wacky and doesn't date men anymore. What? What? (laughs) You shouldn't be allowed to handle her own money, that's for sure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Okay, let's see. Uh, Fun facts? I got a fun fact. This was Dolly Parton's theatrical film debut. Hit it out of the park, Dolly, my goodness. Yes, and not only that, but because she'd never been in a movie before, she thought she needed to memorize the entire script. (laughs) So she somehow did that. (laughs) <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> that is amazing so dedicated to her work I love that yeah so she could be anyone's understudy I guess if need be <laughs> of course we know she sang the theme song and wrote the theme song and it is such a banger and this was the first female dominated film to gross 100 million dollars which is cool wow. oh wow and yet still they were like well we shouldn't make a lot of these though <laughs> Even when they do well, they're still like, yeah, but no one will see the next one. This one was a fluke. (laughs) Exactly. It was probably because of Dabney Coleman. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. I did read a thing piece about it or heard somewhere that reviews at the time were like that. They were like, this movie would be unwatchable were it not for Dabney Coleman, which is like, are you fucking kidding me? They couldn't even admit to themselves why the movie was good at the time. Those were all male reviewers, obviously. And Dabney Coleman's great, but I feel like he does a good job of not stealing the show or trying to steal the show. He's like a plot device more than a character, which I appreciate. So this is what's called a lunchtime poll. It's kind of a nebulous lunchtime poll. It's the consolidated of lunchtime polls. Something about work. Yeah. I think we kind of landed on to talk about some problematic shit a previous employer did. Does that sound right to you guys? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I had a boss when I was in high school who one of his less problematic things was that he didn't believe in gravity what? Um, which isn't problematic, it's just really ignorant. He just didn't believe in gravity. How did that manifest? When you would, ex- 
when you would say, well, that's what keeps us on earth or whatever, he would say, no, that's your weight. (laughs) Now, he also did not believe in sexual assault being possible. So he had a lot of terrible things that he didn't believe in. Yeah. But the gravity one is weird. The rape one was much more problematic. Yeah. Because there are men who could explain gravity to him. Wow. That's (laughs) so interesting. It was super weird. You know, it's weird to think about this stuff and you have like a slightly, what a weird memory for my childhood, essentially. Oh, I remember that time that I went to crush my can in the can crusher at work. He grabbed my hand. He thought I was punching him. So he grabbed my hand and put it behind my back. (gasps) In retrospect, I probably would have had a lawsuit if I had not been a 17 year old. Right. Oh my god. He thought you were punching him? We aren't friends. (laughs) He thought I was punching him. (laughs) This guy has a lot of like unresolved guilt, it sounds like. He's like, I know she should want to punch me for so many things. I expect (laughs) her to want to punch me. Maybe it was just overdue. He's like, surely I should have been punched by now. I just hope that we can raise this next generation to recognize all that shit at the time and call it out instead of internalize it and remember it years later (laughs) and wonder how it's affected us. Right. Oh my god. I had a couple shady bosses, but there was one boss who was a nice guy, right? So his stuff seemed innocuous, but then when I would tell it to people, they'd be like, oh my god! Like, how he always... Would say, literally, every time you went to his office, he would say, step into my orifice. Uh, Every time. I hate him already. And then, he was always quoting, he loved the movie Wedding Crashers, and would always quote it. There was only four people who worked in this office. It was me and this other young lady, and then him and this other bro guy. And he was the boss. And they were always quoting Wedding Crashers to each other, and we hadn't seen the movie, so they scheduled a whole meeting, a 90-minute meeting, where we sat down and watched Wedding Crashers so we could get their references. Oh, my God. <laughs> First of all, that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> Second of all, that sounds like every man's dream is forcing someone <laughs> to watch a movie to understand their quotes. Yes. Oh, my God. He kept, like, looking over at us during the movie to check if we were laughing at certain parts, and it was very stressful. <laughs> enjoying it so under duress yeah i don't think i would have enjoyed it under any circumstances but that was a particularly traumatic way to see that film <laughs> who else has got some i don't feel like i've ever had like an especially bad boss but i have a story about someone who did work above me for a very short time like right before i went off to college i worked in the meat department of a supermarket <laughs> i wish i had pictures because i had like this little bow tie over my Oh my god. Thank you. Like a hat and a coat. So I was actually like really weirdly good at that job. But usually in the meat room, there's one wrapper and like four or five butchers. So one it was super busy. I think it was like leading up to Thanksgiving or something. And all the butchers were working and it was just me. So I got a little behind. And this was the only time it ever happened. But it's like if the wrapper gets behind, then like the butcher who's the lowest on the totem pole has to help. Right? Mm-hmm. And it was this guy who was nicknamed Al Bundy because that's like what he looked like. Uh-huh. This was like right when that show was just on. So he had to help me and he was such an asshole about it. He was being really gruff and like not speaking, just like pointing. He was being a real dick. Then we had to take a little break and then I was going to go back. And on my break, I was like so mad at myself because I was like crying. I'm like, I can't believe you're crying over this asshole, this stupid job yeah. that means nothing. I was being so hard on myself. I'm like, I cannot believe you're crying about this, right? So then I pulled it together and went back, you know, because he was being a jerk to me acting like I have to help because you can't handle it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And anybody would have gotten behind in this situation. So anyway, so I kind of went back. And I was like, I don't like how you helped me. Like, you're being a real jerk, and I didn't do anything, and you know I'm really good at this. And then he didn't really, like, apologize. It was more like, 
this is just how I am. Like, I'm always an asshole when I help. That's just who I am. And then we got everything done. And then after we got everything done, then he came up to me. He said, you're the only person I've never made cry. <laughs> like, that's right. You didn't make me cry. That's awesome. <laughs> Jesus. That's so fucked up that he has, like, that level of self-awareness and still doesn't change his behavior at all. Right. Like, I just am an asshole. It was one of those... Like, on reality TV when someone's like, I didn't come here to make friends. And it's like, really bad at it. I'm the asshole. That was a badge of honor at that time. The 90s had a lot of problems, and that was definitely one of them. (laughs) Dennis Leary, like, his whole thing about, I'm an asshole, and it's funny, and you love me because I'm such an asshole. I just tell it like it is. I'm just being real. You can't handle my realness. Yeah, if you can't handle the truth, I don't want you here. (laughs) I hate those people. People who describe themselves as brutally honest, they're taking much more joy in the brutality than the honesty part. Right? Yeah. They shoot from the hip. (laughs) (laughs) You could really have a beer with them, though. Oh, man. I've had a recruiter tell me that the hiring manager didn't like the way my voice sounded. Um, I've had a boss who, he was not really my boss, but we had an absentee manager, so he was kind of like a higher level than me and was sort of my boss, but not technically my boss. And the office was growing so rapidly that they didn't have a lot of space for people. And they were putting people, two people to one cubicle. Mm -hmm. So my back was less than a foot away from his back. Back to back. Yikes. I didn't really think of it at the time, but he could be very creepy, like the way that he would look at me. And I don't think that people talk about that a lot. It's hard to know like how to complain about something like that. Like if yeah. you, you don't like the way someone looks at you. I mean, I don't know how else you can you can say it, but like eye fucking basically, mm-hmm. like where people look at you so intensely, it feels like they're penetrating you. I mean, I've worked at a place where women in the office called this one guy creepy eyes. But anyways, this one manager, it was my last day and I got an email message from his Hotmail account professing like all of this stuff about the way I looked and he thought it was a very romantic letter, I think, but I was like so creeped out. And then like I kept ignoring the emails, but he would email me saying he can't sleep at night and why don't you meet me? Meet me here. I'll explain everything. And it's just... Finally, was like, I don't want to talk to you. Do not contact me again. And I actually did make a formal complaint about him because I was still at the company, but not in that group. This was a, a man who was like in his 50s and he was married with kids and very into his church and did like mission trips. Oh, and shit like that. God. Of course. In his email message as well, he's like, I'm still happy to show you things with Excel. And he thought he was like being very generous, imparting his wisdom or job advice. The creepy staring thing is something I don't think people talk about a lot. How do you express that you don't feel comfortable with the way someone looks at you? And like, how do you prove that? Or how do you... Oh, yeah, of course. The burden of proof is on the woman... And it's like, we know from experience that there's consequences for speaking up, so you better be absolutely fucking sure that they have ill intent. Even though you are sure, you can't just be like, I just know because I know what that looks like. That's awful. While you were talking, I was thinking of fellow employees of companies who would say very inappropriate shit at work, but they weren't bosses. Yeah. It's another lunchtime pool, I guess. But yeah, it's just like kind of incredible how many men at work think it's totally fine to just... Be like, because we've worked together for this long, I'm now entitled to say this gross shit to you. Yeah, or, or they're like, oh, you're so cool. You don't you don't care about any of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, cool girl thing. The yeah. burden of the cool girl. I, know. I can say this to you and you don't give a shit. I've heard that. <laughs> you know I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, right, it's right. just It's just comedy. It's a joke. I can tell you have a good it's, sense of humor. It's wedding crashers. Right, exactly, exactly. Ugh. <laughs> There were probably, like, a lot of tiny HR violations at that office, (laughs) but if you do report anything, you have to mean it. I hope that that also changes by the time our kids go to work. Yeah. Like, report everything. Report every little, like, gross interaction, because if you don't, they're gonna think it's okay, and they're just gonna escalate it. They're testing the waters with that shit. Oh, very. Any other fun, fun stuff about 9 to 5? Well, I thought it was funny just the idea 
anybody else can back me up here. Like an eight hour day, I feel like it is now like the barest expectation, right? Oh yeah. Yes. Only works from nine to five, but you know. Oh, you gotta work from five to nine now. <laughs> yeah. Or did you see that commercial? Working five to nine, you've got passion and a vision, cause it's hustling time, a whole new way to make a living. Five to nine, you keep working, 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 working five to nine, till your dreams come true. That was not so good. Right, <laughs> I know. Let's not celebrate people having to have a side hustle, you know? Right, exactly. That was pretty fucked up. idea behind when workers are happy they're more productive i just really yeah. love that whole yeah, socialist concept being introduced into capitalism great has this like sort of pro-unionizing message you know or just that idea that happy office is a productive office yeah i mean can't believe they weren't even allowed to have coffee cups on their desks like why why the fuck not great. who's walking in here judging the coffee cups like Ross. i don't want them to be awake for this job yeah, Ross is the worst. You're just spending longer in the break room finishing your coffee so you can go back to work. Yeah, I love that in the end. There was the flexible work hours, the daycare, and then like the woman in the office who struggled with alcohol. Like she's like, I got help, you know? And, and then they have like a disabled person treating workers with dignity mm-hmm. and with respect. I mean, that is kind of like a whole other, it's such a throwaway moment, but it is interesting when you think about the concept that they created a substance abuse program that's not AA at this office. I really love that. They're like, we're not going to say you have to go to AA. We're going to create a program that's going to help you at the office. I, that's amazing. I like love that idea. What a utopian society. How in the daycare, it's like they have a floor model child that you can just pick up. <laughs> <Yeah>. I know. <laughs> Try this one out. Right. <laughs> As someone who has worked in daycare, that's not actually a thing. We don't let people just walk in and pick up random kids. <laughs> I bet you want to, though. <laughs> the one kid that people pick up and pass around. <laughs> exactly. She's a designated one. Her parents signed a release. It's okay. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to plug, Laura? Anything in your life that you're really into right now? Any shows you really like or crafts you're really into? What's floating your boat these days? Well, we're still watching The Sopranos. And I have picked up a new guilty pleasure show called TLC's Unpolished. It's about an Italian family in the Northeast. They own a salon. And one of the sisters does hair and the other sister does these outrageous nails, just outrage, like thousand dollar nails. Whoa. Yeah. The one in the episode last night had, you know, that ride, the swings at the carnival. Yeah. It had a miniature, one of those that spun. What? And one of the other nails had like tickets that came out of it. They're incredible. Holy wow. shit. Oh my god. That is my guiltiest pleasure right now. That and Pen15. Oh. Pen15. Oh my god, Pen15 is so fucking good. Oh, want to do an episode of that for our television season. Please keep me posted on the television season. Definitely. We have to like decide on the shows and then figure out the best way to catch everyone up. Ideally, we would do like bottle episodes, but not everything has a bottle episode. But anyway, yeah. Greetings and salutations. I checked and we do have, we had some listeners from Tennessee, a couple of listeners, which is where Dolly Parton's born and raised, and that's where Dollywood is too, I think, right? Pigeon Forge. I went when I was a kid to Dollywood. It's like Disney World, but it's it's a lot smaller. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ride any rides? What was was the best ride? I think they had like a wooden roller coaster, Smoky Mountain something or other i don't know i don't remember what it's called but they have a really beautiful statue of dolly in the park and it's like her with her guitar sitting on a rock oh yeah she she is a huge employer for that area she's amazing i mean everyone's i think intimately aware of how great she is but like she's literally saving humanity right now with (laughs) funding the vaccines so yeah she's just such an amazing person i saw this tweet And it was talking about this philosophy in Judaism that there are 26 people at any given time on earth that are actually true givers of love and life. And 
<laughs> they were like Dolly Parton's for sure one of them. <laughs> oh my god, yes. Googled the wiki to to learn more about it. It was a fascinating just philosophy that this little network of love. Yeah. Does anyone here know anyone from Tennessee? When I went on that yoga retreat like a year and a half ago, it was people mm-hmm. from my studio and then people from another studio that was in East Nashville. So like everybody from that retreat was, it was mostly people from that studio. So, you know, I'm like Instagram friends with most of the people from that trip. Hello, yoga people, if it's you. Hey, <laughs> I'm very sad because I was going to meet you all this year. I was going to go with Amy to the yoga retreat. <laughs> I wanted to every year thing, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe this year. It sounds amazing. It was so awesome. <laughs> Is it in the same location every year, or do they move around? We were going to do it every year. That was, like, the first time, so we were planning to go back. But I think we would be in the same place, yeah. It sounds amazing. I remember seeing one picture that you had from it. It just looks so awesome. It was so cool. Sounds like an ideal vacation. Yes. I mean, the food was so good, and we did yoga twice a day in, like, these studios that were, like, in the jungle, and then twice they had karaoke at night. That's all I want. That's literally it. You've got the beach, Mexican food, karaoke. I, I never even left the resort. There were excursions people could do and see the town, and I was just like, there's a beach here. You know? Yeah. This was really, really so nice much. to talk to you hey, all. Thank you so much. I would happily, this was really fun, and you guys, I was really nervous, but you guys made me feel good, so thank you so much. Oh, good. I love you guys also very much. We love you very, very much. I hope to see you in IRL sometime. I know. Sometime before Alice's graduation. Yes. Which you guys are all invited to. (laughs) (laughs) Much love, ladies. Love you. On the next episode of Paid and Puke, We're mad for Peter Jackson's 1994 crime drama, Heavenly Creatures, starring Melanie Linsky and Kate Winslet. If you enjoyed this episode of Paid and Puke, please take a minute to rate us highly on your preferred podcast listening apparatus. If you did not enjoy this episode, no further action is necessary. Paid and Puke is hosted by Amy Green, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. Music by Silent Partner. Follow us on Twitter at Payden Puke Pod, on Instagram at Payden Puke Seattle, or join us on Facebook at Payden Puke Podcast. Thanks for listening. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up.